Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. have now entered just the headers 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 uh this is a show where myself Demetric Ferguson and and myself Jesse broke yes <laughs> wait <laughs> Jesse the broke I don't know Talk why I just it. called you that I don't think you even go by that <laughs> um we talk about the headlines for this week and last weekend because you probably missed them because you have a life but our life is crypto <laughs> they're gonna say our life is no life <laughs> yeah our life is no life <laughs> and so we bring you we bring you news uh that you probably missed so that's that three headlines from saturday and sunday three from monday three from tuesday three from wednesday and three from Thursday. And uh, you get to sit back, relax, and soak up all the stuff that you may have missed. So, we hope you enjoy it. But before we go into that, how was your week, Jesse? My week has been trying to get everything back on railroad tracks, get some structure in, uh, just start start doing what, I, what I've been planning on doing for some time. A few projects or a few different uh things to enroll for the deal yep you oh it's a pretty good week had some interviews uh, two interviews earlier before this recording had two interviews two announcements that we'll be rolling out next week um you know typical podcast network stuff you know how we mm-hmm. get down yep yep anything fun happen let's see oh i'm trying to get my knees healthy again i did go for three jogs and my knees don't hurt i'm pretty excited about that i'm really excited about that okay um let's see uh i got really really excited about that venom movie coming out but then you know i was like oh it's not made by marvel studios i don't think i think it's like a partner thing with sony so then I got sad again. Wait, Sony was the Hulk with Edward Norton, right? That was their last movie in Fantastic Four? Uh, I think so. Like yeah. That's, that's what they put out. Yeah, that's what they put out. Yeah. Well, no, Hulk, Hulk, that was Marvel with oh. Edward Norton. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe just the Fantastic Four. But it was still... Which did they do the new one, the one with the kids? I know they did the old, the older one. Yeah, they did the one with the kids, and it was a pile of shit. Let me tell you something. But yeah. since they got a hold of Fox, I think Fantastic Four falls under Marvel now again. So we might get a good Fantastic Four movie. What so, other movies did they put out? Uh, they the Spider Man's, the 
Homecoming they, or before Homecoming? Like Homecoming was a joint deal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into crypto. So the first article last Saturday, uh, this six days ago by Sierra Kelso has no views. Uh, interesting. Usually there's more, but in this particular article, there's not. Wait, how many views do you see? I see zero. I see nothing next to the I button. Let me oh, hit refresh. 2733. Really? Hold on. Let me try to click on the article again. Let me see. The $1.1 million landmark? Yeah. Um, it's not loading. Mm-hmm. 2,733. Okay. 2,733 views. $1.1 million landmark crypto fraud case establishes CFTC jurisdiction. Uh so the U.S. Commodities and Futures Trading Commission, or the CFTC, helped bring a fraud case to court, hoping to both assist in its ultimate prosecution and establish precedent. The New York Eastern District Court decided in the CFTC's favor, ending in a combined over 1.1 million decision in fines and restitution. Uh, it also established the regula regulator as having jurisdiction over cryptocurrencies. So, yeah. I like this big bold part. Politically motivated. It was alleged during the first six months of 2017 that defendants fraudulently lured victims into believing they were purchasing and trading under the expert advice of Mr. McDonald and Cabbage Tech. Interesting. Cabbage Tech. Evidently, Mr. McDonald was listed as chief technology officer, insisting he and Cabbage Tech had offices in places such as Wall Street among other falsehoods about the company's infrastructure, prosecutors claim. So if you guys are unaware, if you never trade penny stocks, when I was in college, I traded penny stocks for a second. Uh, this stuff exists all across markets, all across the world. I remember when there was one penny stock, penny stock that I fell in love with. And I thought it was going to be like the next company, the drilling oil was what they were selling. In West Texas, which is an easy sell right now because West Texas is booming for oil. But the stock was like three pennies. So I was like, oh, I'll buy a bunch if it goes up to 10 cents. Congratulations, me. Right. Um, and they had all the stuff. They had a headquarters. They had a mailing address, so on and so forth. Almost everything. But what they didn't know is at the time I was in college, I lived in Lubbock, Texas. So I drove to where they said their oil wells were and nothing was there but desert. <laughs> So oh, that's a lot of initiative. To huh? go and, that's a lot of initiative you took to go and drive to where the company you invested penny stocks in. Well, the thing is, is on the way home. Right. So I was like, oh, well, this is on the way. Like when I the next time I go visit my parents, I'm just going to swing by and see what this place is about. And guess what? It was about nothing. It did not exist. So and those um, penny stocks are pretty shady at best. Say what? Most penny stocks are pretty shady at best. Oh, yeah. And this is what OTC is. This is what penny stocks are. And this is, unfortunately, where most tokens are. Do you own any tokens right now that you're like, I know this is a scam, but... Tron. <laughs> <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. Oh, yeah. Tron is stupid, but hey. Anyways... So, speaking of Tron, no I'm kidding, we're not gonna segue like that. that. <laughs> we're, gonna, 
We're going to say, wait a minute. So speaking of regulation and, and entities that regulate, the SEC U-turn on ETF rejection, a balancing act for adoption. So the SEC, if you don't know, uh, I think um, I'm going to read a little bit of particulars from the article. But if you don't know what happened, the SEC had nine ETFs that they were scheduled to adjudicate, I guess you'd say. And um, they rejected all of them. Heads were rolling. But then like the next day, they came out and said, oh, psych, we're going to review that. That's pretty much what happened. So do a little bit of reading. It's been an interesting couple of days for a number of exchanges, which were hoping to get the green light to launch various Bitcoin exchange traded funds. On August 22nd, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, released its verdict on nine separate ETFs submitting by three applicants pro shares. Uh, Direxion and Granite shares. The move like denied. They're pushing, the, they're pushing ETF uh, rulings till the end of near the end of February. Directions uh, ETF is pushed to September twenty first, and the um, Bitcoin e- ETF by Van Eck is uh, pushed back to September thirtieth of this year or of next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, of this year. year. Mm-hmm. So September and February are the big months. So, if anything, you traders out in the audience should look at some volatility because you're going to experience some in the next 30 days. And then, let's see, September will be nine, five months. There's going to be some volatility because of these ETF decisions. What are you, I think we kind of discussed this in the last show, but are you pro ETF or you don't give a shit ETF? I am. I am. I don't care because I think it would help it. It would help, and it has pros and cons to it. Um, I'm not really sure how fast money would flow into an ETF, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure, like how how the government would treat it. Say there was an ETF, and say everybody's four hundred one k portfolio had some sort of like percentage invested in ETFs, and say the crypto market crashed entirely. Like, would the government step in at that point? Or, I don't know. Hell no. Everything crypto stands for, the government doesn't. I think governments are just hoping, like, they're hoping crypto just goes away. Mm. Right? Because right now they've got a good game going where they don't know where the hell they're doing, but they do know if they keep printing a shit ton of money and then bleeding the middle class through taxes and various costs that because there's just hordes of middlemen in between the middle class and their wealth, then they can, they got a good thing going. Yeah. You know, every once in a while say, Hey, there's some bad guys over there. We need to drop bombs on them. And then the middle class is like, what? Okay. As long as you drop the bombs for me. Thank you government. And then, so we go drop some bombs. We go spur some capitalism, drop a McDonald's on it. You know, yeah, a Walmart or a Walmart, <laughs> you know, what's the McDonald's theory? Like every country that has a McDonald's in it, we're at peace with. Is that, is that like, you know, that's one of those do 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 Jeopardy or no, what? like one of those super conspiracy theorist people. I, I mean, like, is that your conspiracy theorist? You know, song, you know where they jingle? Yeah, that is like my, uh, uh, what is that stupid uh, uh, 
the Illuminati group. Oh Isn't shit! That, Fuck the that's Illuminati their theme song thing. No, but no. In so, in all seriousness, though, fast food joints go with the military. Like when, it, when there's like a temporary base set up, like in the Middle East, you'll have yeah. McDonald's and Burger King and Taco Bell and shit go with them. So not, not Mickey D's, but Burger King does. No, not Mickey D's. Burger King goes every time, like clockwork. Every military base has a yeah. Burger King. They don't all have Mickey D's, if any. Ah, uh, I thought they did. Mm-mm. In fact, we should uh. look this up real quick. What's the relationship between Burger King and the military? And temporary military bases. The first article I see says, is Burger King quitting its military base outlets because of Barack Obama? <laughs> here, here. Uh, fast food chains at military bases. So Burger King, Popeye's, McDonald's, Five Guys, Sonic, Subway, Wendy's, Charlie's, Grilled Subs, Mean Jeans, Burgers, A&W. See, I saw a lot of A&W. Um, Are you just reading off of the places like the Google has? I'm reading off of um, a Reddit post. Some oh, guy post. was uh, listing all the different chains that are in military bases worldwide. Is it fast food slash comment slash 1ZQ9QY slash fast food chains? Yes. Yes. It is that exact link. Nice. Dang, there's a lot. IHOP Express? What's that? Really fast pancakes? is only found at what is nb uh san diego so whatever okay it's in san diego dang they have a ihop express true story when i was an undergrad got way wasted and went to the all you can eat pancakes thing and threw all of them up i ate 18 of them it was not a good look it was a terrible look but that's what you do when you're an undergrad you do dumb things uh, I used to go to Waffle House. That was my go-to. Word? Did you see any murders? No, no. I like the people at Waffle House. They're usually nice. That's very true. It's not the people; it's the patrons you got to worry about the murders. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> there was a murder at Waffle House not too long ago. I remember. Yeah. Reading about it. I don't know about All you, right. but I do want to try this uh, Manchu walk. Manchu walk. Yeah, oh, Manju walk. That's how you say that. Wait, hold on. I Maybe it. he misspelled it. There's M A N A. Wait, I, I'm pretty sure. It's, uh, you know what? No, hold on. I think you're I right. It's Manju walk. Yeah, yeah Manju cool. walk. Google it. Google it. It's Manju walk. It's oh, he misspelled it. Your entire Reddit post is now trash, sir. It's now been D. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It is Manju walk. Yeah. He spelled it wrong. It's a Canadian white dude that founded it. Delegitimization of that Reddit post. Everything else on there is false. Okay, the last sorry, last article from uh, last weekend, and then it's Jesse's turn to take the to take the wheel. Jesse, take the wheel. Um, this is by Joseph Young. It's from Coin Telegraph, and it says that uh, Chinese crypto bans on WeChat accounts events and exchanges what happened and why what did happen 
Let's take a look. So it says, this week, the government of China has cracked down on crypto-related WeChat accounts and blockchain events and digital asset exchanges, solidifying its negative stance on cryptocurrency trading and initial coin offering. WeChat ban and the public bank of China's warning against ICOs. On August 22nd, Cointelegraph reported that WeChat, China's biggest messaging app that was over 1 billion active monthly users, jeez, that's a lot of people, banned the accounts of cryptocurrency investors, users, and businesses. At the time, Lang Jingyir, a local financial media outlet, reported that the accounts of deep chain Huibi, Huibo, Hui, hmm, Hobi, uh. <laughs> Hobi. Huobi News, Node, Capital Backed, Jinsei, and Coin Daily were suspended or taken down permanently as they violated its policy entitled Interim Provisions on the Development of Public Information Services for Instant Messaging Tools. Wow, that's one hell of a name for a policy. Mm. Uh, by promoting ICOs and cryptocurrency trading. So basically, um, in case you haven't noticed, China doesn't like cryptocurrency because they don't like not having control. But if they just wake up to the beautiful ordered chaos of the universe, they'd understand that control is a is an illusion. They got deep. They got deep pretty fast. Um yeah, China hates crypto still, so surprise, surprise. Uh, your turn, Jesse. Hmm. Let me figure out how I can segue that into my next article. <laughs> Speaking of... I don't know, that's really difficult. Speaking of government, <laughs> Bitcoin mining is a big business in Montana. U.S. Senator works to protect industry. This uh, article is written by C. Edward Kelso and has 2,262 two views and is an article on bitcoin.com bonner and butte montana are home to two of the largest bitcoin mining facilities in north america they're also subject to a major energy producer in the state the coal strip power plant which is due to be shut down bitcoin mining has become such a potential windfall for the state economy one of its congressional representatives senator steve danes openly worried closing of the plan uh, of the plant could kill its crypto golden goose. Quote, as the demand for Bitcoin miners increases and supply of cheap, reliable electricity from coal generation decreases, Senator Danes explained during a Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee meeting in Washington, D.C., this could pose a threat of the expansion of Bitcoin generation and even greater threat to energy supply and prices for Montana as a whole. For example, Butte, Montana is home to the Crypto Watt LLC Mining Center. Having taken, uh, having taken over an industrial site, it relies on the coal-fired powered coal strip plant for 64 megawatts of power, making it one of the hungriest users of energy in the entire state. Senator Danes explained that the plant is scheduled for a shutdown in less than 10 years, and if all four of the plant's sectors are shuttered, that could well end Montana's Bitcoin mining industry. Such an enlightened posture by the state's politicos is hardly new. Last summer, its governor announced close to half a million dollars would be awarded as a grant to Bitcoin miner Project Spokane for business growth, job creation, and employee training. So it looks like uh, 
Looks like Montana Montana likes crypto. They love it. State sponsored Bitcoin mining, baby. Gotta love it. Yeah, they've got a data center that has a and he says they want to expand from twelve thousand to fifty five thousand mining rigs. I just want to say something. Yeah. We have a very special listener out there that thinks I'm only good for making eleven year old jokes. I saw um, that. I saw that too. It haunted my dreams for like a night, but then I realized that I'm me. But for the longest time, I think the value that I do add is that I can kind of project and see what the immediate future slash the future is going to look like, given the present conditions. And Bitcoin. And you can also do accents. With my accents as well. They're very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're decent. <laughs> but Bitcoin miners and large-scale mining operations are going to be subsidized government entities probably within the next 70 years because they're going to be responsible for the economic truth of the nations. You don't just let people off the street do that regardless. Like, would you want somebody to do that, Jesse? If you knew that a group of people were responsible for maintaining the truth of all the economic activity of a nation or a group, would you just want them being willy-nilly? Would you want them being your neighbor, Joe? I, I mean, I, I think I think that the whole decentralization of the computation for like Bitcoin, for example, is is important. But I think it's nice that governments on a on a states on a statewide scale can actually sponsor businesses to go ahead and and try and utilize the extra electricity that they have uh, that they're generating from these power plants, and also. And, and kind of use that to uh, keep keep the power plants going and pay for the employees. So I think that, I mean, it's it seems, at least in the short term, it seems like that's a good idea. Um, but I, I don't know. I can't foresee maybe there are some long-term um, problems that may arise from having too many um, state-sponsored mining facilities. Never know. Do you think... Do you think that, um, I mean, it's just obvious they're going to have so much power and wealth that, you know, like, it's, it's just human nature. That's all. But you've, you've got these people in your country that are mining and securing the, the, the economic truth for the globe. Like, those people are going to have a magnifying glass on them. Those people are going to have people looking into their operations. Maybe when I say subsidized and regulated, I don't mean like how they mine and things like that. I think like, you know, like OSHA's going to step in, shit like that. Like there will be government attention on these people. Well, I guess I guess the problem that I may like just thinking about it for a second, you may have like a problem between the electricity that the plants can provide for their own data centers and the way that they can subsidize their own electricity prices versus the prices that they may charge, you know, a private business who has a data center, for example, in like Washington, who maybe has cut a deal for, you know, maybe a five or 10 year period with the, uh, with the electric company, um, but may pay like a premium versus the actual power plant being able to self-generate power for its own data centers at a cheaper price. They can run those, those private business out of, out of business. 
couldn't they? So you're saying there's going to be a mix of private sector and public sector? or Yeah, there's yeah. going to be a conflict between private and public sector electricity costs. Because public sector, they can run it cheap if they if they need to. They're the one. They're the ones who who generate the power, mm-hmm. and the private businesses are at the mercy of the power plants. Unless they put up a bunch of solar panels and go yeah, but, off the grid. grid yeah, grid, I, I don't know. Grid, I don't know. Grid, grid. Privatization of renewable energy, I don't think is like, I don't think it's a big profitable industry. No, it's not because there's not enough people that know. I don't know how to set up a solar panel. If you gave it to me like a plug and play, I could. Like, oh, I just face this at the sun and then connect it to my roof. Cool. Yeah. But to tell you the truth, I don't even know how a solar panel works. I don't think it's exciting things. The sunlight is exciting things and the energy. See how that sounds when it comes out of my mouth? Yeah. How does a solar panel work? Like, I've, to be honest, like I've used them before. I know you have. You just got, you got to, you, you just get black and red leads like that come out of the solar panel itself. That's it. I don't, I don't need to worry about like the manufacturing process. Like, yeah, all I know is the electrons, I guess, in the material are excited. And then I'm not really sure how it separates into like the positive and negative though. Cause there is a voltage, there's a voltage difference that's created within each. I don't, I don't, within each space, I think, but again, I'm not, this is not my area, like how, <laughs> how solar panels are fabricated. I just know how to use them. <laughs> they're just I basically mean, batteries. <laughs> well, I mean, if they're just basically batteries, like that's easy enough to use. I can use one with a black and a red lead, but like. Yeah, they got a cathode and a nanode and that's all you need to know. Oh, shit. If it breaks, you got to go get a new one, get somebody to fabricate that shit for you because it's expensive. Well, I guess I do know how to use a solar panel. So there you go. I was going to give my Bill Cosby. You see, the solar panel works pretty easily, you know. <laughs> you take the red and the black, the positive, the negative. Okay. <laughs> Is All that right. good? So me, you like that let me, one? Let me, save, let me save you before you do another Bill Cosby impression that may, may uh, be bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bill Cosby's like taboo nowadays for good reason. So let's. All right, so speaking of... Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. The Daily Finance launches incubator. Coinbase adds info on top 50 cryptos. This article is written by Avi Mizrahi and has 3,023 views. In today's edition of Bitcoin in Brief... Well, okay, so that's... I'm not going to read that. Binance launches incubator program. Uh, Binance has introduced a new incubation program to support early-stage startups with exchanges... Resource, uh, resources to help jumpstart their ideas. The Binance Labs Incubation Program is a 10-week on-site program designed to help teams deliver a product or service with market fit. It provides each venture with $500,000 in seed funding in exchange for 10% of their equity. It also offers access to mentors from the scene and a network of founders. In addition, the program also provides support services so that the teams can focus just on building their products and services. The first batch will be held in San Francisco, and while the next locations have not been announced yet, the company is said to be particularly looking for places in Africa and Asia. 
quote, we're looking at different cities across the world because blockchain and crypto are international. We see problems and opportunities in different regions with different ways to leverage the blockchain. Finance Labs CEO Ella Zhang told TechCrunch. Mm. So that was one of the articles, or I guess one of the uh, topics within that one article. The second topic is Coinbase adds info on top 50 cryptocurrencies. Excuse me. <laughs> Coinbase has announced it started experimenting with new ways for customers to explore and view the top 50 cryptocurrencies by market cap. Some customers can now view historic trading data, current market cap, a description of the asset and links to relevant white papers and project websites. The company wants to test various formats and types of information to display. It emphasizes that these new asset pages, most of which covering coins not available to trade on the exchange, do not mean that Coinbase intends to support any specific asset in the future. I was just about to ask that question. Um, yes, it does. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I can read team, between those damn lines. The Coinbase team explained that, quote, it's no secret that many consumers feel overwhelmed when trying to research and learn about cryptocurrencies. We've heard from our customers that they are always looking for trusted sources of information. And as one of the world's leading exchanges, we're committed to offering educational resources that help them navigate the world of cryptocurrency. And the, wait, there's four? I don't know, it's just those two. How come there are extra topics in this article? So the, uh, the other two uh, topics that are covered in this one article are uh, Argentinians are hopeful for a future in Latin America. And this has to do with their uh, the hyperinflation of their fiat. And uh, it looks like there's, it says, it says uh, a survey conducted by peer-to-peer -peer credit network RCN polled 890 Argentina-based users of Ripio, the Latin American, uh, the Latin America-based wallet with over 200,000 users. Nearly a quarter of the surveyed respondents believe blockchain will take over the financial system in five years by 2023 while 40, nearly 40% said it will take over in the next five to 10 years by 2028. So it looks like uh, they're they're looking to blockchain for a better, uh, more stable currency. Uh, and then the last topic for that article, Robo4x now accepts deposits in over 40 coins. So I, do you know about Robo4x? Um, I do not know about Robo Forex. I know a little bit about Robo Four Arms from my uh, extensive research in the RoboCop uh, movie series, uh -huh. but I don't know anything about Robo Forex. Oh, okay. So Robo Forex, it says the FX and CFD. What is CFD? Um, I want to see if I can guess. Go ahead. Um, Center for dollars contracts for difference oh, that's close that's what it stands for um looks like they are leverage leverage instruments okay so uh, so robo4x has launched a new service which which will allow its clients to deposit funds to their btc accounts by means of other cryptocurrencies <laughs> The sum of the deposited coins will automatically will be automatically converted into BTC according to the exchange rate at the moment of depositing. Right now, this new service supports more than 40 different options, including BCH, ETH, uh, Litecoin, and NEO, and others. Um, Dennis Golomidov, 
uh, chief marketing officer commented, quote, considerable part of our clients trade and keep funds on their accounts in cryptocurrencies. Many of them have assets in digital currencies other than BTC, which they now may use for depositing their BTC accounts. Hmm. His name is Denis Golomedov. Golomedov. You think he's, uh, he's not Russian. He's clearly Russian. I think it could be Ukrainian. Golomedov. Somewhere. Hmm. All right, well, speaking of... You know what's happening, Russians right? Oh, wait. Next. AK-47s and firearms. Exclusive 3D gun proponent Cody Wilson Defiant offers firearm blueprints for sale. Written by Edward Kelso. See Edward Kelso with 5,419 views. Have you heard about this? Yeah, it's dumb. This is really dumb. But What, do you, what is your position on, on 3D gun blueprints? Should they be banned or should they not be banned yeah definitely banned definitely Definitely. banned like without even a second guess so i mean like what kind of material like i don't know too much about the material that they would have to use but i know that the standard um what is it called um there's uh there's two standard like plastic polymers that you use but i don't think you can i don't think you can build a gun with them right you can't create an actual gun that works. Like you got to use some sort of different material, right? Um, I don't know. I haven't looked into it. Um, I don't really need to. I think that this is dumb. I think that uh, why why is this a crypto thing? Oh, because he's gonna throw the information, the blueprints on a blockchain. On a blockchain, I think that's what it is. Oh boy. Yeah, it says he's uh, he's providing he's publishing the three D firearm blueprints online for free download, uh, and then looks like it says he's exploiting a loophole. So what is the loophole that he's exploring? Uh, oh, says- free speech maybe. What? Is he using, like, is he going to put the blueprints on the blockchain and say that it's a form of speech? He says, well, the way the law works, of course, is that's how it's worked in the media. Uh, The judge has blocked the files. No one can have them. But the way the law actually works is that the controversy is about whether you can post them on the Internet or not. No one's even disputing that I can sell you the file or that I can just give it to you. So when the judge makes his ruling on Monday, all I'm going to do is show what I've been developing in secret for the past few weeks. I'm just going to start selling the files on my site instead of letting you download them. It's like, whoa, it's going to blow them the fuck out. They don't even have a framework for understanding. Yeah, he's going to sell them on the blockchain from the blockchain, maybe. Wow. This guy's an idiot. Yeah, this guy's an idiot. Good for him. Well, you're uh, you got Tuesday. All right, on to Tuesday. Um, oh, Coinbase blog. 
the rise of crypto in higher education. Uh, so Coinbase regularly engages with students and universities across the country as part of uh, recruiting efforts. We partnered with Curiously, Curiously, to ask like students directed about their thoughts on crypto and blockchain. So there's some key findings and then I'll read some data and we'll move, keep it moving. But 42% of the world's top 50 universities now offer at least one course on crypto or blockchain. So I saw there was a, there was 21. Like, yeah. Why don't they just say 21 out of 50? Oh, no, no. Uh, I was going to say like, it was like 18 or 20% of us students have crypto holdings. That's a large amount. I think no tiny bit. Yeah. Students from a range of majors are interested in crypto and blockchain courses, and universities are adding courses across a variety of departments. Original Coinbase research includes a curiously survey of 675 U.S. students, a comprehensive review of courses at 50 international universities, and interviews with professors and students. Mm, so here's a quote from David Yermak, the finance department chair, NYU Stern School of Business. He says, a process is well underway that will lead to the migration of most financial data to blockchain based organizations. Students will benefit greatly by studying this area. Mm. Dope. So cryptocurrency and blockchain courses at top university. Stanford University has 10. Cornell has nine. University of Pennsylvania has six. National University of Singapore is five. University of Cali has Berkeley has four. Harvard has two. Princeton has two. NYU has two. And UT has two. All electives, most likely. Two thirds down, if you scroll, um, you'll see the, the graph that kind of charts the 18% owned cryptocurrency of the of US students. And then 9% of U.S. students have taken a cryptocurrency course. That's pretty surprising. 26% want to take a cryptocurrency course? Yeah. So if you divide that in half, that's 13% that's going to get what added to the own cryptocurrency part, right? So if 9% have taken a course, but 18% own cryptocurrency. So then that's half. So 13% of that 20% tenth. Twenty six percent. It's additive. It's not. I don't think so. How are you going to project it out then? You well, just don't. Well, so are you, wait, wait, wait. When you say you project, so say like at a hundred people, nine um, percent. So nine people taking the cryptocurrency course. Eighteen people of those hundred own cryptocurrency, and then twenty six want to. Twenty six, yeah. And the rest uh, we just don't care about. Well, yeah, it doesn't have that information on here. This is students ages 16 and older. Oh, that's young. Yeah. So if we take that 20% that want to take the course, oh, we don't know how many that have taken the course and own cryptocurrency overlap. We need that. Right. To be able to predict that. Okay. Looking ahead. There's plenty of options for people not currently enrolled at a university to learn more about crypto. Online learning sites like Udemy, Coursera, edX, and Udacity offer hundreds of courses, 
including general lessons in foundational cryptography and more specialized classes on blockchain and cryptocurrency. Uh, another quote by one Campbell Harvey, a professor of international business at Duke. You need to prepare your students for the future. Blockchain is not going away. Mm, powerful words. Powerful words, Mr. Campbell Harvey. That's a hell of a name for a professor, by the way. Speaking of names for professors. Researchers have found discrepancies with the top exchange volumes. So this article is written by Jamie Redman. Uh, for whatever reason, the views are not popping up on my. Uh, on my uh, on my screen. So this month, the Blockchain Transparency Institute or BTI published a research report that claims quite a few of the top cryptocurrency exchanges are overstating their trade volumes or participating in wash trades. BTI explains that out of 130 of the top cryptocurrency trading platforms researched, the organization estimates that every 24 hours, over 6 billion worth of digital asset trade volumes are faked. Wow. Wowza. So just save six billion off the top. So right now the whole market cap of crypto is what one hundred ninety billion. So just take that down to one hundred eighty-four billion. Is that how that works? If six billion of it is worthless, I'm looking at the educational links. What educational links? The uh, Udacity courses that lead up to uh, doing blockchain development. Oh, word. Oh, you got way distracted. You went down that rabbit hole hard. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. I have like six different links open and I'm looking at it. There's a lot of Udacity courses. In, but the thing about Udacity and uh, Udemy courses is that they... um, Sorry, I got way distracted right there. I'm sorry, audience. I lost my track of thought. Um, Udacity courses are they're they're nothing. You can't really put them on a resume or CV, right? They're yeah. just classes that you took that give you skills that you can either exhibit or leverage or apply in your work in your field, or or you can't. Like that's that's that. So mm -hmm. whatever happening, what have whatever happened to learning for yourself? Um, well, that's probably going to come back around on the rise now that we know that like paying tens of thousands of dollars to get an education that might or might not pan out for you is not maybe the best bet. So yeah. people are just going to learn for themselves for learning sakes. But I think that the whole theme of you get an education to get a job was a very toxic mind frame to begin with when it comes to academia. You don't get an education to get a job. You get an education to get an education, right? You seek schooling to be schooled. It's like a act of character of, of someone who's seeking wisdom. You, you don't go to school to get a job. If you want to get a job, just go get a fucking job. There's plenty of them out there, right? So, hmm. nevertheless, um, I don't even know what article we were on anymore. Oh, yeah, the discrepancies. So, okay. So, guys, since you don't know this, if you're new to crypto or if you're not new to crypto, these exchanges fake the hell out of volume sometimes. Um, I'm not going to point fingers at who's doing it. Yes, I am. It's mostly in Asia. They're faking that shit. 
No kidding. It could be everywhere. It's mostly China. Like. It's definitely mostly China and probably a little bit South Korea. Uh, like, it, it's fake, right? You can't trust the volume. Yeah, South Korea too. Yeah, you, you just can't trust the volume. I don't know if you're new to this, but it's not a secret. Okay, so... Next article. So speaking of fake shit, uh, Jamie Redman writes, Pangolin miner claims 16 nanometer ASIC miner will compete with the 7 nanometer machines. So, how? Didn't we already discuss this? I thought the smaller the nanometer, the more efficient the miner. Right? Didn't we already discuss this before on the show? Mm, we talked about it once, but I don't think we talked about this specific rig. What's Miner M10? Okay, so over the last few weeks, we've been reporting on the wide variety of new cryptocurrency miners entering the digital asset economy. Some of these newly created miners are bringing faster processing power and more optimized chips, while others have even built mining rigs that tether to a water cooling system. Now another new SHA-256 mining rig called the What's Miner M10 is joining the competition, and the manufacturer claims it boasts speeds of up to 33 trillion hashes per second, um, which is a lot. Uh, they begin selling the 33 terahash what's minor M10. The thing I don't understand about this business, um, the business of mining and, um, how it works is if you made something that's really awesome, like if you made the best pickaxe of all time, why would you start selling that to people? Why wouldn't you just use it a lot and get all the gold? But then again, there's the saying that says like, you know, don't don't mine for gold, sell the pickaxe. So maybe this is that. I don't know. Hey, when they when they say so, this is like just me googling, and in addition to kind of what I know a little bit about um, IC manufacturing. But when they when they talk about the nanometer size, that's at least when I when I was looking um, the channel length size of the of the actual transistor of the transistor fins is what the actual distance they're referring to is. So when they say, you know, smaller nanometer, um, that just means they can pack more transistors, but I'm not, so like, this is something I was looking up today and just kind of happens to coincide with what you're talking about. Uh, we kind of what you're asking, which has to do with like how they, how they cool, um, how they cool different, uh, ICs, uh, mm -hmm when they pack more uh, transistors into like the smaller... integrated chips. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I see stands for integrated chips. Um, so there apparently there's like stem or like, uh, Tim, like there's different and that that's just an acronym for, um, the, the soldering process that they actually use. So I'm not exactly sure, but depending on the way that they actually, um, solder well there's no actual soldering like traditional soldering involved but there's some way that i'm not really sure how this works again that the heat is distributed evenly with the solder manufacturing method of the acronym stim or tim at least for like traditional cpu processors for for these like uh for these bitcoin miners mm -hmm. basics I'm not really sure how they're designed, but I, I mean, ultimately the goal is 
ver you know 16 nanometers versus seven nanometers uh, with the same form factor of the actual um miner itself you can it would have a higher tera hash rate that's that's really it's just you you just have more computing power in a, in the same um dimensions i i've seen the inside of a miner recently i saw a video it looks like it's like there's like it, rows and columns of integrated chips with a heat sink directly on top and that and there's a heat heat sink on like the top and the bottom it looks like mm. and then they stack those in a box so okay we're looking at this article and we see the box there'd be like yeah. three layers of ICs and on the top and the bottom of the IC there's a heat sink mm-hmm and of course, there's the power supply at the top, and then the fan fans to circulate mm-hmm. air. Yeah, but that's what they look like. That's the design. So I don't know what that goes into, like the speed of these things. But well, they just can put more like per square inch. They can just fit more of those ICs, mm-hmm. or they can fit the same amount of ICs, but inside each IC, you're gonna have way more transistors. So when they water cool them, are they just like putting a sealant in between the chip and the heat sink? So and sucking depends. water through it. So water cooling is traditionally like, at least for for traditional like computers, like desktop computers, you're really mm-hmm. just circulating the water that touches the top of the uh, CPU cover plate. Mm-hmm. You're not actually, actually, you're you're touching. Yeah, it's just touching the the actual CPU. Um, but for these, like, I don't. I actually, I think there is like an Antminer S9 that's water cooled. Um, but I'm actually not sure how they're doing that because you'd have to touch each individual heat sink of each individual IC. Um, so I'm not sure how they're doing that, but all you have to do is just touch it and circulate water across it um, and then push the, the water um, just uh, toward like like the radiator fans to, mm-hmm. uh, to pull the heat away from the, the water so it can be cycled back in as a cold water again um i think that's kind of overkill i don't i don't really i don't really know depending on like the environment that you have like your your hardware running in mm-hmm. you may just be able to get away with like a like a cold temperature like i don't know where they're mining in in china specifically because like i just heard stories of them going to like rural villages and like setting up these ghetto um mining yeah, like these ghetto mining um, uh, businesses, like out of these like abandoned warehouses. So I'm not really sure what the humidity and like the temperature is, but if possible, like you don't even need a water cool, just have like huge fans. And I think that's what they do in some of the documentaries I've seen. They just use like hydropower, like the hydroelectric dam power, and just like siphon electricity from those. Hmm. See here in the in the article you're reading, like most Bitmain hardware, the hydro is also accessible today. Yeah. Um, the Antminer hydro, but it's only 18 trillion hashes per second versus the seven nanometer model, which is going to be 33 trillion. I wonder if there's an easy calculator out there that could help you predict your ROI. Yeah. For mining. Nice hash. Nice hash profitability calculator. There's also, um, I've looked at tons, but not all of them look like it's way too theoretical. 
You know what I mean? They like look way too. Fourteen dollars a month. Huh? Profitability from an S nine. Fourteen dollars a month right now. Used to be way more. I've been. The thing is, is the, it's uh, a wash, right? It's a wash. Mining or just buying crypto. You never know in the long run which one's going to be more profitable. Uh, well, mining is is profitable if you if you use other people's money, and uh, you have. No, it's not. How's that contract. possible? How's <laughs> if you the money's got to come from somewhere? You can't just use other people's money and then keep all of the crypto that you mine and sprint well, away. That's how right, you get so, murdered. So if you look at if you look at these like these cloud based mining operations, right, and then they have like a contract for like you know. 3,000, 5,000, they guarantee this certain hash rate for, you know, X amount of the period, like X amount of years or whatever. Um, they can That's what you that mean. hash rate. Okay. You, you're just, you just be taking their money to, to, to guarantee them the hash rate of the device that you're buying. Um, and... I think I think the profitability, like the profit margin, is probably not on using their money to buy the devices and set up a data center. The money is based on the electricity, um, the cheapness of the electricity. You can actually get like a like a like an electricity contract with like your local utility provider, or in the case of China, they get it for free because they can just you know climb a power pole mm -hmm. or like tap some transformer. I don't know really know what China's um, electric uh their their distribution is like but i mean that's from what i understand that's what they do they just steal electricity in china they don't necessarily negotiate a contract like you know people in washington are doing yeah what i think cloud mining is full of shit and i think china is mining the shit out of i think there's such an under the table deal between jihan and all the miners uh, Jihan doesn't run all the miners, but there's lots of mining operations in China. Like China is just hoarding the shit out of Bitcoin. Hoarding the shit out of it. That's the closest they can get to manipulating the currency by, by at least hoarding as much hash rate as possible. Yep. Hoarding the hash rate and just keeping the in the Bitcoin. And you know what? If there ever is a reality where Bitcoin does end up being some sort of uh, you know economic truth, table for all people to look at and you know like it's a settlement layer of the world like a reserve currency of the world guess who's got a bunch of it china <laughs> like that that seems to me like a very very china-esque move they're just like oh yeah like yeah we've had it the whole time it's crazy right you can't just like the the reason why i can even make this like tinfoil prediction about this shit is because why would you ban it and ban all the exchanges and, and go through you know ban the I, the urls of all these companies and do all of this work but still let the miners mine there why wouldn't you kick them out too i mean i i like what you're saying i mean it's definitely much more uh profitable for the chinese government to control the the trading of of crypto if they just allow mining i don't know i think it's there may I'm, be I'm, it's very conspiratorial obviously yeah there's no way i could prove that but just why would you ban everything else but let the miners stay it doesn't make much sense to me i don't know
because they can be like, hey, guys, we're going to make Bitcoin 30,000. Everybody spam the network <laughs> like with transactions. <laughs> <laughs> and then, all right, now we're going to sell all our Bitcoin. Yeah, they, they, can, they can really control the price if they can spam the mempool with enough like hash rate. Mm, good point. Mm, the plot thickens here on just the headers. Maybe we don't talk about just the headlines. Maybe we talk about more. Ha ha! We got your ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's stupid. It's your turn, man. All right, going on to Wednesday. And speaking about the same country, China extends crypto-related promotion ban beyond the capital. So this talks about what we were just talking about earlier, about how so China's anti-crypto onslaught continues as a prohibition against commercial venues from hosting crypto-related events has been extended to Guangzhou Development District. That's where all of the electronics are. Local media outlet Jiemen uh, reports August 29th. Guangzhou Development District is a special economic zone in southern China close to Hong Kong. The district's Financial Development Bureau reportedly issued a notice of the new ban, August 24, warning of the need to maintain the security and stability of the financial system. As reported last week, the move follows an almost identical ban first imposed upon venues in Beijing's Chaoyang district in mid-August. China's has this month redoubled its efforts to crack down Jesus Christ, this sentence does not make sense. All right. Wait, where are you? What article are you reading? I'm reading Wednesday's first article. Yahoo Finance? Uh, China Extends? You're on the wrong... You must be on the wrong place. I'm in August. I'm in August. I'm on Wednesday. I'm on the first article of Wednesday. China Extends Crypto-Related Promotion Ban. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So let's see... um, then it talks about WeChat permanently blocked a number of high-profile crypto and blockchain-related accounts. Man, they're really like they're trying to control the. Uh, they're trying to control the narrative of crypto in the country. They're trying to control crypto. Mm-hmm. That's what China does, man. Control God, is what they China's do. So cool. Did you say China's so cool? <laughs> they could just. They just. They're so good at manipulating shit. They're just like we're gonna do this. And we're going to jail you and take all your shit if you don't listen to us. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to be good to do that. You just have to have guns. Lots of them. So, yeah, uh, People's Bank of China, PBOC, issued its own risk alert against, quote, illegal ICOs, warning that blockchain and the idea of, quote, financial innovation are being lure- used to lure investors as a, quote, gimmick that conceals essentially fraudulent Ponzi schemes. Uh, I mean, no. they're not wrong on that part. There's a lot of bullshit going yep. on in this space. Yep. There definitely is. So, um, but yeah, China's like like an overprotective mom. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna take care of you, citizens. You may That's, not like us, but it's dirty too. Did you see they did like they got all the citizens to believe in their stock market and then they crashed it. So the citizens just gave the government a bunch of money, essentially. Wait, when? This happened no. like not that long ago, like what within year? the past decade. Hold up, Chinese stock not market crash. Are you sure that it just wasn't a, a result of the 2008 crash? Because that devastated all the markets. Uh, okay. Let me see. Right, well, you look into that. I'll read the next article for Wednesday, which this is was in 2015. 
Oh yeah, okay. There was a there was a little bit of a of a bump in 2014, not in the U.S. but uh, in other, I think in like Eastern European markets. Um, I know Greece Greece had problems in 2014. Wonder. Hmm. It's all connected. <laughs> how how it's all connected? We can't see that. We have no idea. It's difficult. We need one of those bulletin boards with like thumbtacks and then like string. And then they like, say that's the first step to craziness. Oh god. Having a bulletin board with thumbtacks? Having a bulletin board with thumbtacks and thread. If you ever do something like that, you are yeah. a per- crazy person. I mean, you see it in movies all the time. It just looks cool. The Flash did it, right? In the Netflix series. <laughs> it's not a Netflix series. It's a CW series. Oh, Netflix it is. Netflix just syndicates it. Uh, I fuck. I messed that up. All right. Yeah, how dare you shit on CW? Sorry. That is a, that is a great, um, great television station channel it's, it's not network. So, so what happened? Uh, so 2015, China manipulated their market and crashed it. Oh, let me take a look here. Just uh, look at the yuan versus the dollar, like the Chinese yuan, and then just is it the yuan or yuan? I, I think it's yuan. Yeah, yawn, right? Okay. Yawn. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, you can look at it on like, Trading View or something and just look at the price and see if it dipped. And then um, check there. Let's look at USD. I'm going to read this article while you do that. Malicious crypto mining attacks jumped 956% from the first half of 2017 to the first half of 2018, IT security firm Trend Micro reported Wednesday. In its latest mid-year security roundup, Trend Micro researchers noted that there were more than 787,000 detections Excuse me. Uh, across a similar period in 2017. The crypto jacking programs detected include both legitimate mining tools being misused and dedicated malware. The report said that researchers also discovered, quote, 47 new cryptocurrency mining malware families meaning new groups began developing these programs this year rather than just a few bad actors reusing the same malware. Attackers have been increasingly looking into crypto jacking or using businesses and other victims' computers to mine cryptocurrencies, the report said. This is a problem for businesses which now need to be aware of these potential threats. The report explained, quote, from an enterprise point of view, the presence of unauthorized cryptocurrency miners in the network is a red flag not only for the affected individual user device, but also for overall network security. The new challenge for enterprises lies in the fact that cryptocurrency miners are less visible, more silent threats, the non-detection of which is likely to induce a false sense of security. Interesting. Hmm. Did you find anything? Mining attacks. Yeah, I found an article here by Vox. July 8th, 2015, 7.52 Eastern. Just look at the trading data. Here. You look at the trading data. I'm going to read this article. China's stock market has been plunging over the past month, and the Chinese government is panicking. Over the past week, it has employed a number of extraordinary measures to try to halt the market slide to little effect. On Wednesday, the benchmark Shanghai Composite Index fell another 5.9%, bringing the market's total loss to 32% in less than a month. Holy cow, that's a lot for a stock market. So here's some trading data here. Uh, mm, yeah, they fell from... Well, so up, hold on. What? So from July... 
No, 14, they didn't really... Yeah. Here. I'll link you. Investors use borrow funds to push up stock prices. The Shanghai Composite fell 5.9 on Tuesday, 3,507. It's down 32% in June 12th. Let me see this here. Trading view. Um... Oh, this is a nice trading view. Let me go back five years. Yeah, so I'm looking, I'm zooming. You just use your scroll wheel to zoom back out. But um, yeah. so what I, what I, I guess I just hear stories about how China, China manipulates their currency a lot. Mm -hmm. um, Look at this I'm not really spike sure. here on the August 2015. Yeah. I don't know. From twenty, from fifteen to eighteen, or from fifteen to seventeen, they spiked. But again, that's not that much of an increase. It's six point two, uh, six point two Chinese yuan to the U.S. dollar. Is that what it is? Or U.S. dollars to Chinese yuan? Mm -hmm. Um, to six point eight. So I mean, the the change is not too substantial. Six point nine. Point. Look at the crash, like from January two thousand seventeen to eleven percent fluctuation. It's like eleven to ten, ten to twenty percent fluctuations. Uh, ten to twenty percent is quite a bit for currency. We know a little something about that, right? Yeah, but it's over a year. Have you seen the Turkish lira? That one, that one dropped hard. I wonder if yeah. it recovered. I don't even think the pounds recovered very well. Anyways, we need to keep it moving. Mm, okay. Um, this one's still you. It's the Wednesday. Oh, sorry. I was looking at the Lyra. Um, all right. So Yahoo Finance integrates Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin trading by Anna Alexander. Uh, has 19,966 total views and 1,470 total shares. Cointelegraph actually has a lot of views compared to the other news sources that we pull from. Yeah, they do. Cointelegraph is, is a big deal. Cool. It's a big deal. I'm happy for them. Even though like, a lot of people don't like them, but a lot of people go there for their news. So, hmm. so it says uh, Yahoo Finance integrated BTC, ETH, and Litecoin. Um, trying to look here. Uh so can you trade it on Yahoo Finance? Or yeah, is it you just buy and sell on Yahoo Finance. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yahoo Finance is like one of the only like profitable oh. things about Yahoo at this moment. So that's why this is kind of a big deal. Um, it's not really that big of a deal because I don't know anyone in crypto that uses Yahoo Finance. So maybe this yeah. is for people that do you use Yahoo Finance? This is probably just for them. Yeah, this is just for them. So Yahoo Finance. Interesting. You can right, play well, the articles on Cointelegraph. You can play the articles? Yeah, there's a play button on there. Look at the top of the picture. There's a play button. You, I think a robot reads it. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Wow, Cointelegraph is winning nowadays. 
Are they winning? Okay. Yeah, but they don't have our personality, so screw them. Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> speaking speaking of uh, personality, the Reserve Bank of India anticipates a shift to peer-to-peer crypto trading. <gasps> I'm shocked, Reserve Bank of India. Um, RBI. So this is written 17 hours ago, 816 Central Daylight Time. Uh, 17 hours from then. Kevin Helms has views. For some reason, my browser isn't showing them. Uh, India's central bank has released its latest annual report, which includes a section dedicated to crypto. The RBI outlines the risks posed by crypto and emphasizes the need to monitor crypto development and anticipation that some trading may shift from exchanges to -to peer-to-peer mode. Uh, Risks to monetary policy. The RBI... uh, published on Wednesday, it's 268-page annual report. While asserting that the cryptocurrency's ecosystem may affect the existing payment and settlement system, which could in turn influence the transmission of monetary policy, the central bank wrote, though cryptocurrency may not currently pose systemic risks, its increasing popularity leading to price bubbles raises serious concerns for consumer and investor protection and market integrity. So this is nothing new. This is what we hear all the time. Um... Literally all the time we hear this, um, and it it the cryptocurrency in the shape of Bitcoin and Ether and Litecoin are so significantly decentralized and distributed that yeah they do pose a threat to central banks, but you gotta ask yourself like, is that a bad thing? Well, central banks are starting to participate in crypto with bonds and stuff. So, I don't know. They're kind of joining slowly. Anyways. Yeah. This is nothing new. Banks don't like crypto. They're scared. So, speaking of being scared, Ethereum's next upgrade could be the $29 billion blockchain's biggest test yet. 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 I hope you're scared. Be scared. This is written by Rachel Rose O'Leary. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. Rachel Rose O'Leary. It has uh, 540 tweets, 297 Reddit numbers. Uh, is this an op-ed? No, it's not. So hard forks are never easy. Hard stop. By definitions, uh, such system-wide upgrades require every software to use... Every software user to upgrade to new rules near simultaneously, meaning there's no coordination difficulties that need to be overcome to ensure the code continues to operate as designed. Still, an upcoming October upgrade named Constantinople, Ethereum is faced with perhaps a unique challenge. How to find a balance between a web diverse stakeholders, each battling for different outcomes. Uh, making matters more complex, there's a hard deadline for the upgrade currently set for October predicted sometime in early 2019. A piece of code known as the difficulty bomb is scheduled to enact, thereby making Ethereum's block steadily less time efficient to mine. Yes. So they're going to cut down on Ether inflation. So for those of you that don't know, Ether isn't capped yet, but it will be, right? So the way I like to, if I used to use an analogy that Ether is the, you know, digital oil per se for a 
Ethereum virtual virtual machine. You need the oil to build the things and do the stuff. Oil's powerful. But anyways, um, just like oil, um, you know, it's fossil fuel. There's only so much of it there. Uh, right now, you consider us building up the reserves and deposits of fossil fuel. And once they drop that difficulty bomb and then the other upgrades after that, there's not going to be any more ether. That's new. It's all going to be ether that's traded and swapped around with what's left. You know, so if you want to use the EVM for your decentralized application, you want to make sure that you have enough oil to power it. So eventually ether will be deflationary right now. It's inflationary. Nevertheless, this article just talks about hard forks and why they suck. Um, so. And to the final article, final article, to the, to the final article on Thursday, um, India eyes state digital currency to cut $90 million banknote bill. So, yeah, this is weird. This is what you were just talking about, right? They're trying to get they're trying to get into into the bear bonds game with crypto, huh? Mm, no, this the the one I was talking about was like the seventy something million dollar um, bond in Bitcoin that some central bank, maybe like Switzerland or Sweden central bank, is doing. Oh wow! It was in an article I think we read last week, and last week's just that. Yeah, is. I recall that now. Yeah, and crypto is getting big fast. It's hard to keep up with it, honestly. You see all the news that's um, surrounding um, Amazon, like basically online and and brick brick and mortar retail stores that are trying to capitalize on India's uh, upcoming retail uh, market. No, what say again? Come again now? So basically, uh, India is like a two hundred fifty billion dollar um, consumer retail market as far mm-hmm. as online and physical purchases in stores and Amazon as well as Walmart, as well as um, like Chinese versions and also locally owned uh, Indian um, Walmart equivalents are looking to solidify, um, solidify basically their percentages of how much they control of that industry. Um, mm-hmm. I know India is, India is trying to purchase a chain equivalent to Walmart that actually owns 2000 brick and mortar stores. Um, so I think they're spending 15 or 16 billion on purchasing, uh, also an online, um, an online equivalent to them, to Amazon in India. Um, so they're making moves. Everybody's making moves. Alibaba, um, Amazon and Walmart for India. Hmm. India is the next hotness. It's an emerging market. There's a lot of yep. people there. What, like a billion? 1.4. Jeez. That's a lot of people. Yeah. How many people are in the U.S.? Like, it's not even a billion, is it? 300 something. 300, 300 million, 340, right? 340, 340 something million. Yeah, not a lot compared to these other places. Not a lot. So, last article of the day, Red Bar Boy Wolfie's out. 307 tweets, one Reddit number. India Central Bank is researching how to introduce a rupee-backed central bank digital currency into its monetary policy in a bit to reduce its hefty annual bill for minting physical cash. Oh, surprise, surprise. 
The news was revealed in the reverse in the Reserve Bank of RBI's annual report published Wednesday, which indicated an interdepartmental unit has already been formed within the organization to study the desirability and feasibility to introduce a central bank digital currency. The effort apparently comes in response to a rapidly changing landscape of digital payments and the rising costs of managing fiat paper slash metallic money, the bank said. A news report from the Economic Times on Thursday further indicated the RBI also said that for 2018, the cost of printing paper notes alone totaled nearly $90 million. Here's a quote. Possibilities of migration of crypto exchange houses to dark pools slash cash and to offshore locations, thus raising concerns on anti-money slash CFT and taxation issues require a close watch. Uh, so that's what they're worried about. They're worried about if they release a digital currency, will people start using it for money laundering? Um, the answer to your question is yes, they will. I mean, criminals don't stop doing crime. Or else there was a vice documentary on YouTube about, um, I forget what country in South America that they, they, um, counterfeit us dollar bills and some are bad and some are pretty good. Have you seen that? I have not. I thought it was really, really, really hard to counterfeit nowadays because all the fancy colors and materials they put in the in the notes. But all yeah. that is just cost to the people that could be avoided if they use Bitcoin. Oh. <laughs> also, the shoe the shoe industry. There's this guy who makes like seventy million dollars a year. He has a uh, fake shoe um, business in whatever city in Southern China that uh, Nike and Adidas use for their factories. And then they, the factories go out of business, but the workers um, still know how to make shoes and they still have the materials to make new shoes. So they copy, you know, whatever a new um, Nike Flyknit model is, and then they sell it for, you know, a fraction of the price to the U S markets. That makes sense. Counterfeit a lot of shit is like, huge problem that's i think a lot of people are angry at china for how they counterfeit a lot so do you have any like did you have you ever gone to china and picked up any counterfeit goods pokemon cards when i was like (gasps) 11 you rascal i know yeah, I've got like, I've got like all the, all like the the god dog cards. I got like <laughs> copies of like Mewtwo holographic. You rascal! All the all the god birds, Zapdos, Articuno, Moltres. You know what they say is like, compl- if you're complacent, then you're complicit. Damn. You you sir are uh you are a criminal Jesse. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm mom and dad. <laughs> I bet you didn't know the eleven-year-old yourself buying bootleg Pokemon cards is committing a crime. Yeah, no, I didn't. You weren't. <laughs> I think the bootleggers were committing the crime, but I'm just trying to make you feel bad. They're so. they're terrible copies, though. Some were actually stickers. Was did once a Pikachu with two A's? So it was like Pikachu. No, it had like you remember the old. I don't know. Did you ever? Did you ever get into Pokemon cards at all? I did not. 
Did you ever on. see a Pokemon card? I've seen Pokemon cards. Okay, so there was a the very first generation of Pikachu Pokemon card was this really fat Pikachu that is absolutely nothing like the one in the cartoon. And that's the one I got, which is the rare Pikachu. It's got to be fat. And it had like print smudges all over the card. And uh, I think I think they misspelled it. Yeah. (laughs) Pokemon cards are hot in this in the in the high street in the high school scene. When I was teaching, I had a kid come to my class crying because somebody stole all his Pokemon cards. So I bought him new ones. He's all happy. I was like, like, man, you're 16 years old. You shouldn't be crying about Pokemon cards. That's crazy. But I just bought him new cards because why not? So, never mind. That's that's the old Pikachu I sent it to you in Slack. (laughs) That's a chubby looking Pikachu. Pikachu. Yeah. But yeah, that's the one I got in China. Those things go for money too, don't they? Yeah, I think so. Wow. It's crazy how you can create something and like. You know, do you, do you think that the artists and the people that made the game thought that it would be what it is, or they just made it to play for themselves, and then boom, headshot? Mm. Like to me, I, think- I would make something. For me, I don't really make something like for other people. I want to make it to make my life funner or cooler. And if a lot of people like it, then it's like cool. Join the train. It's a fun train. Hmm. Like Japan has a lot of like Pokemon cards or monster catching like games. Like I know when I was there, um, they have like these like their arcades have these beetle beetle card games. So like you'd have like these cards of actual beetles and you go to the arcade machine and you actually scan the beetle that you want to fight with and you can fight against another kid's beetle that he has a card of. Um, so like they used to have like the equivalent of Pokemon, but like a bug version. And I'm wondering maybe that's where like, Pokemon. Not Beetleborgs here. Let me show you Beetle uh, Arcade Game Japan. Why does Japan seem like it's got it going on, Bossa Nova? It's called I think it's called Mushi King. Yeah, it's called Mushi King. Here, let me show you. I want to go to Japan. Kick so, it. So go to the red light district. Blow my let me mind. Copy this. Here you go. That was Mushi King. I I showed it to you in Slack, and games looked like this, and the cards they looked like this. So you would scan those kind of cards at the arcade machines. See this the the card readers. Mm-hmm. And oh, they have like they have people. little codes on them. They have barcodes. Yeah. On them. Exactly. Wow. Japan is living. Yeah. yeah it's I pretty mean, cool. Were... So you like collect these cards outside of the game and you put your character inside of the game. Exactly. Yep. Oh, that's kind of neat. Yeah. I wonder why stuff like that didn't take off here. It seems like that would be something that would take off here. Uh, I mean, I think like because kids stop going outside. Kids are, kids are... Like there are a lot more kids outside in Japan that go to like arcades than kids who go to arcades in the U.S. Also, like most of the U.S., if you're not in a city, is like suburbia. Like in in Japan, it's just like it's pretty crowded unless you're outside the major areas. But for most 
of the places where kids live, it's it's crowded and there are a lot mm-hmm. of arcades, so it's pretty safe too to go out and play video games like it is in like some US cities. Yeah, that's that's what I hear about Japan is like the crime is so low. Yeah, it's definitely different. Except for the Yakuza. Am I right? <laughs> no, they're 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 I don't know. There? I shouldn't have even said it. You know what? I never said that. Never said I Yakuza. Never said. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> don't I I never should have said that. Okay, let's wrap this show up. Um so the Bitcoin Podcast dot network. Go check out all the stuff we do. Jesse, your turn. Plug something. Twitch. Twitch channel is up. It's called twitch.tv slash the Mexican Filipino. Yep. And Jesse's Mexican and Filipino. All right, keep going. And yeah, so we got we're just getting all the social media stuff set up and then uh trying to produce some uh, content for the YouTube as well. So if you could go over there and just check out the content and if you do like it, then uh, follow, follow me. Um, I'm going to try and um, set some sort of goals and then some giveaways for games and then maybe even play with some of you guys. If you guys are into video games and stuff. Yep. I might hop on there too. The name's black sauce, B L A Q underscore sauce. And uh, you know, I'll, play some games with Jesse every now and again. You guys can come and hop in. I guess that's a thing now. So people like to watch Twitch. I was watching this like documentary and a girl named Pokimane. Yeah. Who's like a big deal. And then uh I guess I guess that's what people like to do now. They like to watch people play video games. So <laughs> that's that's a thing. So I watch us play video games from time to time. So. It's always been a thing. It just hasn't been um as- mainstream. Yeah. Not even well, yeah, mainstream, but also really Amazon helped Twitch out by buying it and then mm-hmm. giving five dollar um, free subscriptions for anybody who has Amazon Prime. Yeah, so, like that if was you have Amazon boost. Prime, you can subscribe to anybody's Twitch channel and it'll give them five dollars a month. So it's like almost like a Patreon for free when you get when you have an Amazon account. Wait, so, so you, like, you get money for subscribing to people's Twitch? Um so so as a as an Amazon prime subscriber as an amazon prime member um that means that you get one free subscription to anybody who you want to subscribe to every month for five dollars so if you have amazon prime and you link it to your twitch account and you choose to follow me then or rather subscribe to me then that means i would get five dollars a month from you oh okay for free you don't it's not it's not uh, deducting $5 from your wallet or anything. It's just it comes with you having an Amazon Prime account and the fact that Amazon bought Twitch out. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I could dig that. I like that. That's neat. Yeah. Amazon's killing the game. They really, really are. Well, that's it, everyone. Thank you for tuning in for another week um, of the headlines. You'll find us next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Ha ha ha.